like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you with our special guest, Corny Cole. And we are talking about the case of Jarvis J. Masters, who is on death row in California and has been on death row for how many years now, Corny? Wow, 32 years. Oh, 32 gosh. Years. So I know, it's stunning. He, he uh, as, as you mentioned, he went into prison when he was 19 years old for um, multiple armed robberies. Um, but he's been on death row for a total of 32 years, which is astonishing. He was brought up in a so-so environment, correct? Oh, oh Lord. I would not call it so-so. It was um, that bad, you know, huh? Yeah, it, it was a horrific um, upbringing. He, you know, the Children's Defense Fund coined a phrase called the cradled prison pipeline. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a scenario in which, you know, young boys and, and girls of color are put on this pipeline and given no opportunity for love and are sent into the state system. Um, so much abuse, so much drugs, and it's, it's almost like a, a four foregone conclusion that a lot of these kids, you know, at very young ages will, will be in prison one day based on their upbringing. Uh, Jarvis was raised in Southern California, not 20 miles from where I was raised, um, in Long Beach, and his mother was addicted to meth. Uh, his father was extremely abusive. He had a bunch of siblings, and, you know, Jarvis really took care of them. Um, he tells me one story which just kind of just chills the, the bejesus out of me, and it's that, you know, when he was like four years old, um, he would go to the house behind the house that he grew up in. And, by the way, there was no electricity in the house he grew up in, but there was a lady in, in the house behind him that would put food out on the doorstep for the children so that they would have food to eat because his parents would forget to feed them. Forget um, to feed them. 
My God. Forget to feed them. Uh, and, and, and she would put a carton of milk out there for the kids, you know, and, and, um, his father was incredibly abusive, sent his mother, uh, to the hospital on, on, on death's door almost, beating her so severely as she was trying to protect her children, Jarvis being one of them. And eventually Jarvis and all of his siblings were sent to foster care. And, um, and he went through that system. He had one, Absolutely better than so-so, I would say, experience with his first foster parents. Uh, they were Mamie and Dennis Proctor were their names, and they, they were an older couple, and they loved Jarvis deeply as though he were his own, they were, he were their own, and, um, and they took care of him, and they showed, he had, he had his own bedroom. They showed him what love was. They took him to church. It gave him a sense of value and a sense of being. But a couple of years into that, um, they, Mamie was extremely ill. She had cancer and she, she was dying. And so Mamie and Dennis had to let Jarvis go when he was around nine or 10, at which point he was sent back into foster care system. And he went from the, the, the stories that he wrote writes about in That Bird Has My Wings are, are utterly horrific, the way that he was treated in and out of foster care um, families and, and boys' homes and whatnot. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's stunning to me that he's the man he is today after having walked through that path. Um, and, and it really is, it's, it's, it's eye-opening, to say the least. So he's behind the eight ball, and then uh, all of a sudden gets involved in a robbery where he jumps on top of the cashier table with a shotgun, like a movie. Yeah. And, and he gets arrested, and he goes to jail, and he starts paying his price in San Quentin. But then what happens? There's a prison guard there that the yeah. guards, yeah. That, the, that the inmates apparently didn't like, so they decided to kill him. What happened? So basically there was a guard that was murdered um, on, on the campus of, of San Quentin, uh, three individuals were um, uh, accused of the conspiracy to commit murder. One of the men was the man who was convicted of masterminding the conspiracy, so he ordered it and ordered his underlings to, to kill this particular guard, and he was sentenced to life um, without the possibility of parole. There was another guy who was accused of actually stabbing the guard, committing the murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And Jarvis was accused of manufacturing the tip of the spear, or shiv as they call it, in prison. And, um, and he, even though he was, he was on a different tier, he was on a different level, he was locked in his cell when the murder occurred, um, he, it, he says that he, he never, ever made that weapon, but he was implicated in the crime, and for whatever reason, he was given the death penalty. And that, to me, was absolutely mind-blowing, that he did not commit the murder. He was never accused of committing the murder. The guy who committed the murder and admitted to committing the murder got life, and Jarvis got death. And apparently, and they never found the weapon? Yes, they never found the weapon. How could a weapon like that get lost in a prison? You tell me. You tell me, George. It is. It is. It's mind-boggling that they couldn't find it or didn't find it. Because and Jarvis, 
is very much of the mind. And as, as all of us who, who believe in him, you know, had they found that weapon, had they found that tip of the spear, they could have gone to all of the different, you know, uh, cells and they could have looked at the ground because the way that these shivs are made is they're like the post of a, of a bed will be cut off and then, and then they shave it into the cement ground until it, it becomes a sharp tip. Or it would have had prints on it. Or it would have had prints on it. It would have had, um, there would have been ligature marks on the ground. There was just absolute, it's amazing. Had they found it, Jarvis would have been cleared because he had nothing to do with it and he didn't manufacture that. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's a sad part of this whole case, the, 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 the missing evidence. Does, does he admit, Corny, that he was some part of this situation? Not whatsoever. None. He was none, not whatsoever. And in fact, all of the individuals that were involved in it have all said that he had absolutely nothing to do with it. Well, who who um, nailed the guy then? Who framed well, him? There, there were there were witnesses that were also. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you talked on the show much about prison snitches, but they are notoriously unreliable. And so basically a prison snitch is somebody who, you know, gives up the goods on people in order to get leniency. There are circumstances where, where, where prisoners will, will snitch on somebody and in exchange, you know, they'll get all of the Big Macs that they want for the next year. That's one of the leniency. Whether it's true or not, get. right? Exactly, exactly. And and so uh, there were three, you know, and I'm I'm no legal expert, but there were there were three that that um, witnesses against him, right? But subsequent to that, in the last several years, they have come out and they have they have stated publicly that Jarvis had nothing to do with it. So so any of the evidence that was found back in the day, back when, or, or even was suggested, it it, it does. It's no longer a reality. Now, I believe um, he's going to get a new federal court case in uh, this October of this year. Yes, yes, it's going to be October twenty seventh. Um, he's got a whole new uh, legal team with Kirkland and Ellis. They are a global firm that took on this case based on the fact, you know, I mean, they, it, it's a huge firm, one of the biggest global firms. And they took on this case because they saw the, the, uh, the validity of the fact that he is an innocent man. They're not, and and, and they, they, they see a path for him. And, and so they are arguing his innocence before, before the, the, the federal judges in, in October. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If they're successful, I assume they will just simply release him because he would have been paroled by now for the armed robbery charge. Um, it's it's a long story. It, unfortunately, it, it's not just you get to walk free. You know, the judge could decide on the bench in October, but what he might decide is, okay, I believe what, what has been brought to me. I want to therefore send it back to the states to decide, in which case the state may retry the case. Um, in all likelihood, I can't imagine that they would because there's literally no evidence. I don't know how they could retry a case that is now 32 years old. Right. Um, so well, the it, most witnesses no, gone, probably. Um, there are still witnesses, the ones that implicated him, but they have come out since and, and said, um, you know, in signed affidavits that he had nothing to do with it. They lied. They lied. They lied. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of the, the, the strange and sad irony of, of that lying is the fact that, you know, there was an evidentiary hearing in 2011 um, for Jarvis. And the, the judge at the time acknowledged that false testimony was, was likely presented in Jarvis's original case. So, so she, they acknowledged that. And yet the judge dismissed the witnesses' recantations, arguing that they lacked credibility. So, so in other words, these witnesses were deemed credible enough for the court to sentence an American citizen to death in 1990, but they were not credible enough to exonerate him after they, they changed their testimony. Did you always believe that he was innocent? You know, I, I have, I mentioned that I grew up in, in Orange County, um, not far from where Jarvis did, and, and I grew up in a very Republican enclave in Southern California. And, um, and I come from a long line of people who believed in the death penalty. Uh, my father is one of them. He's a very conservative, um, man, and he believes that the death penalty is a, is a necessary sin for this world. However, 
Uh, he does not believe that an innocent man should be put to death. Um, and, you know, for me, I did believe in, in the death penalty, and I believed in the death penalty when I knew Jarvis. And, but the more I got to know him and the more I read about his case, um, the more it just kind of chipped away at what my foundational understanding of the death penalty was. Like, I thought it was a necessary evil to get rid of the dredges of America, right? I, that's what I thought. But little by little, the more I read about it, 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 it really is ultimately unfair. It's, it's, it's arbitrary. I mean, talk about it's an arbitrary thing if you look at two men who actually, actually did do the murder. They got life. And yet, arbitrarily, the guy who didn't gets death. Well, and I've never heard of that before. It, I, it is, it's outrageous, and it's mind-blowing. And, and that was the first big chink in my personal um, uh, belief in the death penalty. I'm like, how can that be? So, so you're telling me that, that, that we could conceivably be you know, executing a, an innocent American citizen is just mind-baffling. And so I started reading and reading and re I read book upon book upon book about, about the death penalty and, and how unfair it is and how incredibly racist the system is, the percentage of men of color and, and women of color, for that matter, on, on death row is, is significantly higher than that of, of, of white people. Um, and, and so it, it is an unfair system. So if you were to ask me, do I believe in the death penalty, I, I would funda fundamentally say no. I would find it acceptable if there was an unequivocal if there it was unequivocal that that that, that the murder happened right i'm not, I'm not an advocate and dna for, evidence dna evidence everything everything so so um but but i just cannot i cannot in good conscience you know believe in the death penalty when there is possibly a single solitary man on death row you know if you if you think about it um the the national um Institute. There, there's a study out that that says that four percent of of people on death row are innocent, and and that's from the National Academy of Sciences. So if you think about that, there's over 700 men on death row in San Quentin alone. That means they're not just Jarvis is in, is innocent. There are 28 innocent men in San Quentin today who could get that, killed. Who could get? And they're killed. innocent. And they're innocent. And, and to me, that should outrage every single solitary citizen. This shouldn't be a political thing. This is, this is America. And, you know, the, the, George, the thing also that just fires me up to no end is the fact that um, the United States is, is like the last bastion that, that, that condones killing our citizens. There, there's no Western country that, that, that does that other than us. Below our border in Mexico, no. Canada, no. It, it is not a practice that is condoned in other um, first first world countries. It, and and so why us? We we are a compassionate people, if nothing else. Um, and so you know that, that has just really lit my fire. And you know, knowing Jarvis and loving Jarvis the way I do, I I I I am here for him forever. And and I, I am I'm working with his team to 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 get him to get him out of there because he has so much to offer the world and, and he has offered so much from behind bars, so how much more can he offer when he, when he's a free man? 
Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.